Hello, and welcome to Returning to Us, a podcast that gives you strategies and tips for how to hack your brain, build and strengthen relationships, and to teach people how to recognize and neutralize their emotional states. I'll discuss emotional intelligence and regulation, how food and exercise impact the body and brain, and share lessons from my own lived experiences. I'm Lauren Spiegelmeyer, the founder of The Behavior Hub, which is an organization that works to reduce the stressors of raising and educating children through a brain and biology-based lens. In these episodes, I'll share stories and strategies from my own life, work, and research, answer listener questions, and wrap it up with a try-it-at-home tip. Decades worth of information in just minutes. You ready? All right, jumping into something today called the polyvagal theory. It sounds super sciencey. It is super sciencey, but I am going to break it down for you. So, I don't know if you have been here for a while with us on the podcast or if you are new to the podcast, but a few weeks ago, we had talked about or I'd done episodes on the parasympathetic nervous system and the sympathetic nervous system. We call them the PNS and the SNS. And they're kind of like twins, but they're opposite twins. <laughs> so, so twins with opposite traits. They are the yin and the yang. So to recap and kind of refresh, if you haven't listened to these episodes, definitely go listen to them <laughs> right now if you haven't. But the SNS is your fight, flight, freeze, fawn response system or fight, flight, freeze response. Actually, be more of the fight, flight. Um, and your PNS is that more rest and digest side. So your nervous system basically has two sides. It's almost kind of like a, um, like a ladder. I mean, so you could, you could associate it with the colors of like a stoplight, but think about it this way, like stacked up on top of each other at the very top, you've got the SNS in the middle you've got your window of tolerance at the bottom, you've got your PNS. So when you think about those three in the middle is like your green zone. It's like calm, happy, focused. That's where you want to be. Sometimes we will jump up to that top tier of the SNS. We'll fight, we'll flight. We'll get this like rush of hormones that puts us in a state of maybe anxiety or aggression or frustration, kind of those high intensity, very physically obvious signs of dysregulation. Sometimes some of us will go down into the bottom below the green, below the window of tolerance. That's the PNS. That's the rest and digest side. So if we get stuck there, that's the more like depressive, withdrawn, socially withdrawn, flat affected, not, not showing as much emotion, kind of like just socially removing and withdrawn from society or peers or socially disengaged because there's so much overwhelm in the brain and body the body kind of starts to shut down. So that's why they're opposites. One's like very noticeable outward energy. One's more inward energy, but both not good when we get stuck there. So the nervous system is probably one of my favorite areas to talk about because what happens is when you go into one side or the other and you keep going into that one side, like you keep experiencing anxiety or you keep experiencing depression or kids too can experience these, these highs and lows. The more you go into that one zone or the other, it's like a muscle, it gets stronger and it grows 
And then that means that you are more likely to end up in that zone or you are more likely to go in that zone. So there is this theory called the polyvagal theory by Stephen Porges. And it's really centered around the vagus nerve. And people, well, it's Latin for this wandering nerve. And I think that comes from it being the longest in the body because it starts at the bottom of your brain where your brain stem is. And it goes all through your muscles, through your stomach, <laughs> down to like lower parts of your body. Um, it's, it's craziness kind of like how long, how important, how vital this particular nerve is. Cause it kind of connects like your head to your bottom and it connects everything in between. So what's interesting is that people who have gone through chronic stress, trauma, maybe even developed PTSD or other depressive or anxiety disorders may experience these high and low states. And we all essentially experience them on some level. People that have been through trauma or chronic ongoing stress may get stuck in those higher low states. So how do we use this particular nerve and what we know about it and this theory to neutralize, to come back to that central zone of, of the window of tolerance and prevent the body from going into one or both extremes? how we do it and what the body or what the polyvagal theory discusses is using this body mind technique or body mind techniques to achieve balance, to get back to neutral. So I'm going to describe some of these techniques for you. So you have an idea of what the body mind techniques could be. Now, this is not an all encompassing list. It's just a couple of things that you could use, but before you think about using some of these things, what you need to identify is are you a person that's stuck up in that upper tier that's tense and defensive? Or are you more likely to be a person stuck in the lower tier who's more internalized going to withdraw because you use a different body mind technique depending on which side you're in. I mean, using any of these will not hurt you, will help you in some way, but you want to try and individualize it for what your needs are. So to give you an example, I'm a person who is much more likely to go into that top tier, that tension, defensiveness, tightness, so when I feel my body entering into that state, I know the phys physical signs, my chest gets tight. I, I start to feel signs of anxiety. My back gets really tight. I might be <laughs> quicker to like frustration or just a little bit more agitated. So that tells me I need to do the opposite to be able to come back down because I'm heightened I'm up. What's the opposite? Walk in nature, walk in general, drink of water breathing, long, slow, deep breaths, maybe a quick meditation, maybe eyes off the screen. On the flip side, if someone is in that low energy state, they want to do something to bring up their energy. So a walk could also work for them, but maybe a faster paced walk, maybe something of flavor and sensation, like something sweet or sour or crunchy would bring them up out of that state. So something that's kind of more activating since they are less active. So what are some examples? Breathing. Long, slow breaths, if you're in that heightened state, because you want the opposite, you want the slow breathing. If you are in that low energy state, you want quick in and out breaths, because that's what will bring you up into that window of tolerance. Another technique is called progressive muscle relaxation. Adults can do this. Kids can do this. It's just a matter of tensing up muscle groups in your body, holding them for five, 10 seconds, 
and then slowly letting go. So here's an example. Take your toes, squeeze them into the ground really hard, almost like you're squeezing your toes into mud or into sand. Hold that for 10 seconds, let go. You'll feel the tension and tightness from the, the grasp on the ground with your toes. And then when you slowly release that tight, tense grasp, it will release all these calming endorphins into your system, into your body. Best for adults, if we can target, like what are the areas where we're holding that tension and defend or tension and tightness? So for me, it's upper back. So I'm going to do some type of activity that is progressive muscle relaxation related to how can I tense up and tighten the muscles in my upper back, hold them really tight and then let them go. And that will release the tension. Maybe you're someone who is more like stomach-based, abdominal-based. So you can squeeze and hold your abdominals like you're squeezing through a skinny little fence. And you may need to do it once or three times or five times. So just keep doing it until you feel relief. But that whole process takes yeah, a minute, three minutes, depending on how many times you want to do it. And kids can do it too. And they can give those techniques, those different muscle groups names. So you could call the feet one, you could call it toes in the sand or toes in the mud or muddy toes. So lots of fun ways to get kids motivated to do them. Mindfulness activities, meditation activities. I mean, you know, I just had a parent say that she's integrating her child into her meditation practice and the child can only last, he's about three and a half, four, maybe just turned four. He um, can only last about a minute. And even sometimes a minute <laughs> he's losing track and he's, he's getting up or not able to sit still and be quiet for that long. So what we talked about was using some resources designed to help young kids complete the, this type of activity or task. Insight timer is an app. It's a great app. It's a free app. You can purchase the upgraded version, but there are plenty of free, very short kid-friendly meditation activities, mindfulness activities on there. So she's going to try that one and see if she can get him to be a part of this and be more engaged if, if it's, if he and she, if, if they are being led through this activity via an app. Yoga and stretching. So using things like foam rollers to stretch out muscles. There are kids yoga channels on YouTube. There are apps, there are classes, there are all kinds of things for you to access this. And you don't need to go to a whole class or do a whole 60 minute session. You can do three yoga poses or a five minute flow. There are plenty of options. Other things I like to use acupuncture, and this is often covered by insurance. You can call your insurance company and see if they cover it. Um, if you're not thrilled about the idea of a professional poking you with needles, which is not as painful and as awful as it sounds. It's actually very little pain. Uh, it has a lot of benefit to it. You can look up something called acupressure and kids can do acupressure. Other fun ones that you or kids might like, and I've really loved Tai Chi or Qigong. It is kind of like a, it's in the realm of martial arts, but it's more of like a self-defense practice, but it's a really slow moving mindfulness type of martial arts, less <laughs> UFC, MMA, a lot more like Zen <laughs> in this approach to Tai Chi and Qigong. And there are online courses, there are YouTube videos, there are apps, there are in-person classes for adults and for kids. So you just have to search your area to see what's available, but so many great options there. All right, so I'm not going to give you any more because that was a lot of different options. And I mean, if you search body mind techniques for kids, 
for preschoolers, for teens, for adults, you'll get hundreds of different options. So just kind of browse through them and see which ones you like, which ones you feel like work best for you and for your family. And that takes us to today's listener question, which is how do I become calm or stay calm when my child has these extreme behaviors so I can more appropriately approach the situation? First step is to plan it. Like if you know you're losing control, plan ahead. What can you do during that time? Maybe make a list of like five different strategies or techniques. The body-mind techniques would be great here to use in the moment. So if you plan it ahead in your mind, you kind of visualize it, you kind of see it, you kind of think of here's what I'm going to do, you're more likely to have success. Also practice it. Pretend that you are angry. Pretend that you're losing your cool and use the strategy or strategies that you came up with. If you practice it physically and outwardly, your brain stores it more appropriately and you'll be able to better apply it. Also have some grace for yourself. We're all stressed out. We all may be struggling. We all have a lot on our plate. So when you don't get it right and you break down, it's okay. You're human. You're normal. You have a lot going on. So give yourself some grace and apologize to your kids and tell them you're working on it. And you can tell them what you're doing to work on it. (laughs) And they might want to join you in working on it themselves. So just keep that grace and compassion for yourself. To wrap up our show today, we are going to give you a tried at home tip which is pair your self-care stress management routines or, or techniques or practices that you've implemented. We talked about a whole bunch of these in previous episodes around self-care and stress management with routines that are already in place in your life. And I would say the same goes for these body-mind techniques. They're great to use reactively, but you can also use them preventatively by using them before you even need them. So a great way to do this is to kind of pair them up with something that you already do, like coffee in the morning. Or if you're someone that makes really quick coffee and rushes out the door, maybe a better way to pair it is the moment you sit up out of bed or when you're brushing your teeth or when you're having breakfast or as soon as you pull into school or as soon as you go into work. These are all little chunks of our day where we have routines already in place. So put some of these practices in connection with those. Like, so for example, for me, when I sit up out of bed, I take three to five deep breaths. Breathing preventatively is a great practice. If I just pair that with sitting up out of bed, easy for me to do, doesn't take long, harder for me to forget, super simple. All right. If you have any questions for me to answer in the future on a podcast episode, or you've got try at home tips, you want me to share with the rest of the world, Email me at podcast at thebehaviorhub.com or you can send me a text 717-693-7744. And I'm going to encourage you to lock in what you learned today by either sharing it with someone else, posting what you learned in the comments below, or just one big, big takeaway or even one thing you're going to do, one practice you're going to try to let me know so I can hold you accountable. And don't forget to subscribe because I want to tell you all of these different ways how to hack your brain (laughs) in future episodes. So worth checking in every now and then or every week. And until next episode, I am Lauren Spiegelmeyer. Thank you for joining me.